So Jennifer Niven has a new book out and obviously I've read her other books so I was going to read this one and what made it even better was that it is a beach rom-com so obviously I'm like super excited about it. So Breathless by Jennifer Niven follows Claude as her and her mom go to a remote island off the coast of Georgia after Claude learns that her parents are splitting up. And while they're on the island, Claude has to deal with her parents' issues and sorting her own thoughts about her parents' issues out. And then she meets Jeremiah, who everybody calls Maya. And there are sparks, and it's like, you know, a beach romance book, which I love. And it's so fun and probably my favorite Jennifer Niven book just because of the content, right? Like, it's a beach romance, and I'm a sucker. And so, like, as good as All the Bright Places and holding up the universe were like this has to be my favorite um and it's inspired by her own love story with her husband which is really really cute and so like it's just it's a great book books tv music and movies all things that make a big impact on everyone i'm constantly gushing about my latest read to anyone who will listen so i figured i'd turn my rambling into something coherent that people will actually listen to which means no tuning out halfway through I'm Maya Ghosh, and this is my take. always with a book we're going to start with a little bit on the writing and the writing was good it was kind of typical Jennifer Niven writing but not as much Jennifer Niven as usual and I know that's like a really weird description but like holding up the universe and all the bright places had a much much more distinct writing style and like that style was still there and you could tell it was Jennifer Niven but I couldn't really tell if like you just put a page of it in front of me and was like, did Jennifer Niven write this? I'd been like, I don't know. Whereas I feel like with All the Bright Places and Holding Up the Universe, it's like so much more distinct. Um, and maybe I'm just getting used to it, so I wasn't like as shocked at the distinctness, but like it didn't feel as distinct to me. But the writing was still good and like sometimes Jennifer Niven's like distinct writing style is not my favorite and so the fact that it was like less distinct actually like I was totally fine with and it would like didn't detract from the story it was a great time so now we're moving on to the plot and I love that we start like a little bit before graduation and like we don't just jump into Claude going to the island because it builds up Claude's backstory and her as a person and like it makes the divorce seem a lot more like like, the divorce hits home a lot more because we see Claude's life before and after, right? And so we start in the cafeteria with a conversation about artificial humans, which, like, okay. And we do love Claude's rant about virginity. I was so proud of her. I was like, yes, go off. Like, it's a social construct. Like, this is fucking stupid. And then we see the barn party and Claude and Shane almost fucking. And then Claude's freaking out and she's like, I think we should be just friends. And he's like, no shit, Sherlock. Which, I mean, Shane was like, eh. So we were glad like she didn't. But 
I don't know, it was just, like, an awkward situation. But then she goes home and she gets off to, like, a combination of Wyatt, Mean Jake, the pizza delivery boy, and Mr. Darcy. Which, like, okay. Like, I'm not here to judge, but, like, that's a weird combination of people. I mean, it's not that weird, but, like, eh. Anyways, moving on. Um, then we have the conversation where we learn that her parents are splitting up. And her parents have been fucking planning this for years, and they were just holding on until the fact that she was graduating, which, like, is a nightmare for me. Like, as somebody who grew up, like, kind of scared that her parents were going to get divorced, I mean, my parents are fine, but, like, you know, as kids, you always think, like, oh, what if my parents get divorced, whatever. Um, that was, like, kind of my nightmare. My nightmare was, like, they're going to wait until some significant life event and be like, yeah, we're actually, like, divorced. And so seeing this play out was, like, not okay for me. It was, like, a lot to read. Um, and then she's not even able to tell fucking Saz, which, like, I understand if you live in a small town, you don't want people gossip, but she needs to be able to talk to this about people. You can't just expect her to hold it in and it to be okay. Like, that's not how it works, you know? So I was, like sad that Claude had to deal with her parents getting divorced and then sad that she couldn't even tell her best friend and be like you know look my parents are getting divorced and like shit's hard for me you know like it fucking sucked and then we learn at some point in all of this that Claude is writing a novel longhand that's taken up three notebooks which like how how do you write a novel longhand like whenever I write something I need to do on my computer because like spell check and just, like, typing is so much easier. Like, her writing a novel longhand, like, that is dedication. And, like, yeah, I could never. And I'm impressed by her doing that. And then we learn that Saz slept with Yvonne. And I hate that this messes with their friendship. Because I was happy for Saz, right? Like, we talk about Yvonne and, like, how she wanted to be with her and stuff but she was never gonna break up with her long-term girlfriend and now it's actually happening and it's messing with their friendship because like shit is awkward between them and then Claude just shows up at Wyatt's soccer practice and tells him about her parents and kisses him like you know go for it I guess I mean it's not the smartest decision considering you're leaving to go to an island off the coast of Georgia and you're probably never gonna see this guy again but you know so what like she did it I was, I mean, I wasn't mad about it. And then we get to the island and we meet Maya for the first time. And he's such a stereotype, but we love it because it's fine. Like, this is a beach rom-com. Obviously, there's going to be, like, stereotypes and cliches. Um, and it's, it's totally fine. Like, I am here for it. Maya's great. And then she gives Maya her phone number at the bar, which, like, obviously, you know, phones don't work on the island, child. Like, didn't you realize that? Um, and then she bonds with Jared, and Jared is great. I love him. I love that he stays as, like, a good side character throughout the book, and, like, Claude and Jared's relationship develops as, like, friends, so that was very fun. And then Claude has her movie-inspired French haircut, like, DIY French haircut, which, like, you know, sometimes you need a little change, and I understand that, right? Like, shit's happening in your life and you've been shipped off to this island and like you don't know what's going on and it was supposed to be your senior summer and so you just cut off all your hair fine I wouldn't do it by myself because I don't trust myself with like scissors around my hair but like you know she did it we're here for it like I support the need to like change your hair because shit's going on in your life you know um 
And then, okay, the one thing I don't support is she goes to Rosecraft and she writes to Saz, which I appreciate her writing to Saz and, like, getting all of her feelings out. And then she smokes a whole fucking pack of cigarettes. And I'm like, eh, no. Like, I supported the radical haircut. I don't support the radical, like, we're gonna become a chain smoker now because, you know, smoking kills kids. Like, no. And so I didn't support that. I was glad it didn't pop back up throughout the rest of the book. I was glad it was just, like, a one-time thing and she just smoked the whole pack and was like, okay, that's it. But I didn't appreciate that she smoked the whole pack because, like, that's, like, fucking bad for you. And I'm very anti, like, smoking. Anyways, continuing on to swimming out into shark-infested waters when she didn't know they were shark-infested and being, like, quote-unquote saved by Maya, who continues to be such a cliche with his fucking compass tattoo. And then we later learn that it's, like, to remind him that he always knows where he's going, which, like... Yeah, obviously, that's what you get a compass tattoo for, but it's so cliche. I mean, I love it, but, like, he's so cliche. Um, and then Claude goes to the inn later with her mom and asks Jared about Maya, and Maya then later sends her the care package of bug spray and cortisol, which was very cute, and I was like, oh, Like, that was when, obviously, we knew, like, her and Maya were going to be a thing, but that was the first time I was like, this is cute, like, they're starting, like, it's building, we're gonna have a great time with this, um, and then she goes to the general store and has the terrible phone conversation with Saz, which leads to her going back to the dip and accidentally getting kind of drunk and dancing with Maya and then ranting to him about her life while they were driving around and then breaking down with him and him, like, actually holding her and being okay and then they go to the beach to wait for the turtles and they start talking and then they're just making out. And like, I hated that this all started with a bad phone conversation with Saz because we wanted her and Saz to like work their shit out. But I was not mad that it ended with them waiting for turtles and making out on the beach because obviously like we love Maya and Claude, like that relationship is great. And then they go to Rosecraft and he's like, promise me you won't fall in love with me and like really badly quotes, um, What's the movie? Fuck. Oh, A Walk to Remember. And then they go skinny dipping, because of course, any like true beach rom-com has to have a skinny dipping scene. But this all happens because Jared delivers the note from Maya to Claude. And I love that like they don't have phones, you know? Like as much as I was thinking, oh my God, that would be so fucking annoying. Can't just like text a person. Like it was actually really fun to have like Jared have to be their messenger and like he just shows up and they go on adventures and she can't like tell her mom where she's going and so she's just out all night like it was really cute and it really like added to the like development of their relationship and the plot of the book and like I really appreciated it and it was really like a cool touch because when there's so much now like you know texting culture and dating is like really weird and whatever and it's like always a part of a book like he texted me do I text him back whatever so I appreciated that we didn't have phones it was a very interesting like new thing like but it was fun um and then we go to July 4th and we bond with Wednesday and Emery and Jared a little bit like when they're all drinking at the end and then we go home with Maya and we finally have sex with him but she was all like in her head and wouldn't just relax and the sex was lackluster at best because he came and that was it which like fucking asshole you don't do that like no and then she sees Maya with 
Wednesday after that and gets jealous and confronts him about it at his house, which, like, I was a little mad she wasn't more communicative when they were first, like, having sex and, like, actually talking their shit out. But I appreciated that, like, when she got jealous, she did actually confront him and went to his house and was, like, you know, told him it was her first time and was, like, you know, he freaks out and kicks her out and he's, she was, like, you shouldn't, like, be freaking out that it was my first time. Like, you should treat every time like it's somebody's first time. And by the way, like, sex doesn't end when you come. Like, I loved that scene. Like, I lived for that scene. I was so happy when she did that. Obviously, like, I wasn't super happy because it was, like, a weird part in their relationship and I wanted them to be happy. But I love that she was calling him out on his bullshit and was like, just because you put up this tough persona doesn't mean you get to be a fucking asshole and, like, you need to pay more attention and do all this shit. Like, I was so happy. I was so proud of her for going off on him. And then... She goes and sees the loggerhead nest at the beach and makes the makeshift, like, marking it to, like, make sure they know that there's a nest there. And that was when I started getting the last song vibes because in the last song, turtles and turtles laying their eggs are a huge thing. And, like, I mean, I don't know. I love the last song, so I was okay with it. And then we text Saz about sex and... Like, they have a good kind of conversation that, you know, they're starting to build their friendship back up again. And we ask Wednesday about Maya, and Wednesday confirms that, like, they're not a thing anymore. And so there's, like, good open communication, and we're rebuilding relationships, and I really love that. And then they both end up at the beach at night, and they talk their shit out, and they're honest with each other, and they agree to actually date, which I love, and it was, like... Like, that was so cute, and I was so happy that they were actually like, yeah, okay, we're gonna date, and, like, we've worked our stuff out. And then they look for treasure in the mud, which was really adorable, and he draws all the circles for her to pull shark teeth out of, and then they watch the meteor shower that wasn't supposed to show, but totally did show, and then they were dancing at Rosecraft, which was really fun, and then they have sex again, but this time it's, like, good and, like, like a rom-com scene, like, like a rom-com sex scene is supposed to be, and, like, it just, she was happy, and then days 12 to 14 are described of being a blur of sex and just learning things about Maya and telling Maya things about herself, and they're finally at that happy point in their relationship, and then on day 15, she gets stood up, which sucks, and then day 16, Maya comes back and is like, I told you 10, right, and she's, like, not having it, and she doesn't want to go on an adventure with him, so she goes and helps her mom at the museum. Which, okay, I appreciate that she doesn't just take a shit and doesn't let him, like, come back without an explanation and just sweep her off her feet again. And I did like that she was getting closer with her mom, but obviously I was still kind of sad because their relationship was starting to get good, and now Maya has to go and, like, fuck up and not explain it. But then... Maya comes back, and he's raked the road so he could teach her how to ride a bike, and he talks a little bit about his mom's panic attack and his siblings and his family life, and, like, it was so cute, and, like, he raked the road so it would be a clean surface so that she could ride a bike, like, that was so cute. Oh, I love that. And then we come home. And Claude's mom reminds her to be safe with Maya, which is, like, awkward, but we appreciate, like, the communication and, you know, like, safe sex, kids. But then we learn that Claude started masturbating in fifth grade with her stuffed animals and her toothbrush and her hand. And, like, 
fifth grade? Like, child, you're like 10. Like, no. I mean, I'm all for, like, take control of your bodies, do what you want. But, like, in fifth grade, like, it just, like, if you had said, like, eighth, I would have been like, that's a little young, but okay. But fifth? That was, like, the one part of this book where I was like, that's kind of strange. No. Um, but then we have the party that Claude throws, which, like, I say party in quotes because it's, like, closer to, like, the type of party you throw as, like, a fifth grader than it is in, like, you know, it's not, like, a high school, like, drinking, hanging out party. It's just, like, a hangout. It's not a party. It's, like, a hangout is what I'm trying to say. Um, and then Jared telling Claude that she's different for Maya, which, like, we all love to hear, and he's like, he's different with you, it's different with you, like, that's always a good conversation, and then Maya sneaking into her room that night, and them picking a position <laughs> from the Joy of Sex book, and okay and then Maya explains his sexual research and Claude has her lightning bug metaphor and they eat the thumbprint cookies and it was just really cute and I really liked that they finally were spending like the whole night together and they had that kind of scene and stuff and then the morning after sneaking him out was whole cut out like we didn't see sinking him out we didn't see them waking up together and I was mad because I was like that's a whole point and that's a big part of like sneaking somebody in is like then sneaking them out you can't just like cut that scene out of the book like that's not how it works you know um and then we see dinner with Bram and Shirley which is essentially dinner with Maya's parents and it was really fun but then they tell Claude that Maya is going to Montana to be an outward bound tour guide which like we love for him we love that he's getting his shit together and he's going far away from his messed up family he's gonna start his own life but it also sucks because like he had been saying oh I'm going to NASA I'm going to join the circus I'm going to be a FBI agent right like it sucks that the truth was finally hitting them and they had to come to terms with their impending end and then they go to the White House, and I swear to God, Maya says the fucking sweetest things. Like, I didn't write any of them down to quote, but, like, he says the fucking sweetest things, and he's so adorable, and I love it. And then as things are going good with Maya, Saz's parents see Claude's dad with another woman, and then that night, she leaves the window open, and Maya shows up, even though they didn't plan it, which was really cute. And then when Addie is home, Addie confirms that there was another woman and her dad had a girlfriend, which, like, fucking sucks. And, like, her parents should have told her. Her parents should not have let her find out like this. They should have been open and honest. I mean, she's not nine, right? Like, she's a high school graduate. She's going to college. She understands what cheating is. She can take it. Like, you don't need to be hiding shit from her. You already hid that you're getting a divorce for so long and, like, upended her whole life the least you could do is be like yeah there is another woman and not fucking lie to her because then she bikes around and tries to find Maya and he's not there and ends up at the dip and makes out with Grady which like fuck off no why are you making out with Grady like it's not gonna solve your problems and then she runs off to fucking Maya thinking it'll make it better and like fucks him because sex apparently solves all your problems like it fucking doesn't and that's such Christian Grey behavior and she's just running off and is like 
you know, has sex with him and is like, by the way, like, I just made out with Grady and I felt really bad and that's why I came here and, like, jumped your bones. And, like, Maya's only response is to drive her home, which honestly is an acceptable response because I was pissed off at her. And, like, I was appreciative that he didn't, like, yell at her and it didn't cause, like, this huge fucking fight. But also, like, Maya did not deserve that. Like, Claude went off the rails and I was really pissed at her because I was like, why are you doing this? Like, yes, okay, I understand. If Maya's not there and you need to go get drunk, go get drunk. Don't go get drunk and make out with somebody else. No. Like, go get drunk and then show up, like, bawling drunk at his house and be like, I'm sorry, I just found out my dad has a girlfriend. And, like, he would understand to take care of your drunk ass. But... Not once you've made out with another guy. Oh, my God. It was a lot. But then I was glad that instead of it being, like, this huge thing, they just went to the beach and they burned up all their shitty feelings. And Maya finally talked a little bit about Flynn and they got even closer. Like, I was happy that none of these things were ever nuclear for them. And they actually, like, always talked their shit out and always worked things out and were like, I really like you and so I want to, like, work past this and move past this and, like, grow with you as a person. And then the adorable pillow fort thing with her mom and then going to Rosecraft with her mom and seeing all the stuff and going to the beach at dawn and like really getting into writing, which I was super proud of her for. And then she has a really bad phone conversation with her dad and fucking runs away from Maya for a breather, which like, no, you need to like stay with him and be with him because he's leaving soon and you need to spend all the time that you can with him. And then Maya comes into her room that night and just wanting to be there with her because that's where he's supposed to be. I swear to God, man says the cutest things. It's so, ugh. And then telling her mom to be like, look, I'm going to be home late. And she's like, what's late? And it's like tomorrow morning. And her mom's like not very happy, but she's like, look, I have to spend my last night with Maya. I'm sorry. I don't want to like have to leave or whatever. I want to spend as much time with him as I can. And then she spends the full night at Maya's and they say, I love you. And then she goes to lunch at the airfield with Jared and they go to the secret drawer society. And then she doesn't really see Maya after that night. And she shows up to the dock and the shark tooth is sitting there in the circle. And I started crying because like, even though you know it's coming, it's still so fucking sad. And like... I don't know, he promised her he'd say goodbye, and he couldn't, and then Claude, like, starts writing the foreword to this book, like, on the beach the night he leaves, and then it ends with, like, a roundup of all the things she loved about Maya, and, like, just staring at his house and saying that she's ready for another adventure, and, like, I just, I wanted closure for them, and I want to see, like, the continuation of their relationship, and, like, I was really sad, and the only thing that made it okay was knowing that it was based on Jennifer Niven and her husband's relationship, and so I don't know how it happens, I don't know when it happens, I don't know where it happens, but Claude and Maya end up married. That is my consensus. Like, that's what happens. They end up married, and they live happily ever after and even though the ending was really sad and kind of fucking sucked and I was crying as she found the shark tooth on the dock they end up married so to wrap up this episode it was a really good book and it was a rom-com so obviously it was like my favorite of Jennifer Niven's books and even though it had like a pretty sad ending it wasn't super sad because you knew what you were getting into right it was a summer fling and 
their lives were totally different and you knew it probably couldn't work out but it does because they end up married um because Jennifer Niven and her husband ended up married um but it was just funny and cliche and set on a beach and everything I need in a rom-com and I really really liked it and I really wanted to get adapted to a movie because All the Bright Places was a movie uh like a Netflix movie and this would be such a good movie with like the island and all of the ruins and all of that story you can tell and also like just the beach and the rom-com and it would be really fun and like all the bright places the adaptation was done fairly well I mean I have opinions on that I have an all the bright places movie and book episode so go listen to that if you're interested but like I feel like it would be really easy to adapt because like it's got everything you want in it, right? Like, it's got ruins and a really cool setting and a beach and no phones. And, like, it's just, it would be such a good movie. And so I really hope it does get adapted into a movie or a TV show. But I feel like it would be better as a movie because, like, it's not, like, there's story to tell, but there's not enough story to tell for it to be a TV show, I think. Or if it, they did it as a TV show, it'd have to be, like, a one-and-done type of thing. You couldn't pull, like, a 13 Reasons Why. Anyways point of this being I think it would be a really good adaptation and so I really really hope they do that and if they do I will definitely do a comparison episode so yeah I have been Maya Ghosh and this has been my take on Breathless by Jennifer Niven thanks for listening so we're kind of a one-woman show here at my take so the credits are not going to be very long this podcast is produced and edited um by me I do all of my own social media the only person I really have to thank is one of my great friends Paris who did the music that is in the intro and that you're listening to now. So thank you, Paris, and thank you all for listening. You can reach me at underscore my take on Twitter and Instagram. And please leave a rate or review wherever you listen to this podcast. That helps a ton. So yeah, thanks for listening.